Each episode of Education with an Edge is meant to create, cultivate, and inspire honest discussion about issues affecting youth. Hosted by author, artist, educator, advocate, and speaker, Jaquel Lane. Hello and welcome. My name is Jaquel Lane and this is Education with an Edge, the podcast dedicated to all things youth and children because that is what matters and they are our future. We certainly believe that and we believe that you should too. We're all about encouraging and inspiring not just young people but people of all ages and I'm so very excited to have on the show today with me my dear friend Deanna Heizan. She is a 38-year-old mother, wife, veteran, and former radio host living in Nebraska. She is also a sepsis survivor and has recently dedicated herself to a healthier lifestyle, focusing on empowering and motivating others. And I just have to say, Deanna, this is so exciting to have you here. I've been following your journey um, literally, you know, this past year and not just the transformation and like outwardly that you've made, which everyone can can certainly see, but just your the intrinsic transformation has is so powerful too. And you've always just been such a beautiful, wonderful person. And so I'm so excited to have you here today and for you to share your passion and your purpose with our audience. So thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited. Super excited to be here. Um so we'll just jump right into it. So um you know, Education with an Edge is dedicated to encouraging, inspiring um, everyone, but we like to talk to young people. And so, uh, you know, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you grew up? Yes, I would love to. Um, so I grew up in Orlando, Florida. Um, I was born and raised there until I was 19. Um, education was really, really important in our family. And so we couldn't have anything if we didn't have good grades. I'm, I'm looking over at my mom. I <laughs> um, so I was really, um, really into school. I really, really loved learning at such a young age. And I always loved writing as well. Like I was an avid writer. And so I think that that really helped take my education to the next level. Um, I went to high school and did really, really well. In my junior year, I had like a 4.8 weighted GPA, and I was number one in my class then. Um, I was receiving letters from MIT um, and a couple of other affluent schools, and then senior year rolled around and um, (laughs) didn't quite, uh, none of those things manifested in the way that I thought they would early on in school. And it is, while it's one of my biggest regrets. Um, I definitely think the path that I've traveled is the path I was meant to be on. And so, um, yeah, I grew up in Orlando. It was like the time to be alive because Sync was huge and Britney was huge and Backstreet was huge and all of that was going on around me. So there was this constant battle for, do I go to school or do I hang out and party? Because we knew people that were very well connected to all of those musicians and you know, that gets to your head when you're young and you're impressionable. You want to be cool and you want to be able to say that you've hung out with, you know, Britney Spears or the Insane crowd. And as an 18, 19-year-old, um, I felt like really conflicted with what I wanted to do with my life. And so I decided that I wanted to be a singer, um, which also did not manifest. You um, have a beautiful voice. I'm going to attest. I just have to. Thank she's you. She's got a beautiful voice. <laughs> thank so. you. Um, so, yeah, I, I ended up going to college, um, got sick, um, ended up almost dying of strep throat, which turned into sepsis. I went into septic shock. Um, I ended up having amputative surgery as a result of that. And so that really just kind of changed the trajectory in the course of my life at that point. And so after I healed, um, 
I made a decision that I needed to do something with my life and find some direction because I had none. And, you know, we all go through a phase where we think we know it all. Our parents know nothing. Um, And so I decided to join the Marine Corps. um, And that was not an easy path either because of my amputation. They told me I couldn't be a Marine. So I wrote a letter to the BUMED department in Washington explaining why I wanted to be a Marine, showing them, I sent them a video of me running and doing all of the things to prove that this disability is not disqualifying. Um, And then they approved me like two, three days later after denying me three times. (laughs) I'm persistent. No, but I love that. And I love that story because I talk about this a lot on this podcast that I think that young people oftentimes see the finished product and they look at you and you're obviously like very successful, beautiful family, but nobody would have ever known that you had gone through those obstacles. And sometimes a door shuts and you have to, you have to kind of, you know, take that and say, okay, well, another one's going to open that door shut for a reason. But sometimes you have to be persistent, which is what I love about your story. And you had a dream and you didn't give up. And, you know, I preach that a lot to my kids in my classroom that, you know, things are not just going to be handed to you, unfortunately, in this life. There's really, really hard things that you're going to have to go through that you're going to have to pick yourself up from. Um, And so that's an extremely, extremely powerful story. Um, And thank you for serving our country, first and foremost. I mean, that is um, beautiful in itself, but then just your willpower to get there, too, is amazing. so, Miss Deanna, you are very passionate about health and fitness. Can you talk with our audience um, about your own personal health and fitness journey and also your recent transformation? Yes, I would love to. So, um, obviously, when I got out of the Marine Corps, that was the most fit that I had ever been. Straight out of boot camp, you could see every muscle in my body. And I was like, oh, wow, I was born with triceps. I didn't know that. I couldn't see those before. Um, and so, I knew coming out of boot camp, I would never be in that shape again. That would require like eight to 10 hours of physical activity nonstop all day. Even in the Marine Corps, I had put on weight, but I was really thin and I was really in shape. And so I was really proud of where I was at. Well, I ended up having my daughter. Um, My first marriage um, was not wonderful. And so I think um, I was very unhealthy. I was a smoker. And so as I was going through divorce, um, I lost 60 pounds. And I will preface that by saying that it was not healthy weight loss. It was not. Um, I was smoking. I was not eating. Um, and so as the as the pounds were coming off, it becomes like this addiction. And it was like, oh, wow, five more pounds gone. Let me keep this up. And so I'd lost 60 pounds overall. I was really, really thin and I looked great, but I knew I hadn't gone about it the right way. Um, So I met my now husband, moved to Nebraska. That's what brought me here. And so every winter I make sure that he understands the sacrifices I've made (laughs) to be with him. Um, So I moved up here and gained that um, love weight to the tune of, I would say, almost 70 pounds. Um, and I knew you as I was gaining the weight. So, cause we've known each other a long time. And so over the years I've tried keto, I had tried Weight Watchers. I have tried everything I have spent. I would probably say upwards of like $10,000 on magic pills, magic weight loss. Um, and there really isn't a magical, um, solution for weight loss if you want to do it the right way. That's not to say that keto doesn't work. That's not to say that Weight Watchers doesn't work. It works, but I'm an all or nothing person. And so when you tell me as a Hispanic woman, 
you can't have bread or rice, all of a sudden you've taken my control. And now I feel like there's not only this battle to eat healthy, there's this battle for control that I'm trying to regain. And so I don't know what it was that just kind of clicked for me. In October, I went to see my doctor and uh, I was 37 years old. And my doctor was like, your cholesterol is really high and you're young, you're 37. I was 210 and a half pounds at that point. I had just had my son. Well, I say just, that's being kind to myself. He was two at this point. It was not baby weight. Um, And so I just thought, man, something has got to give. Something's got to change. So I talked my husband into buying me a Peloton. um, And I think for me, it was more a challenge to get the Peloton because he said, no, you're never going to use it. So then it became more about what like, can I get him to say yes? And so I get it, I get on it. And I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. I'm really liking it. Um, so I did the Peloton for quite some time, didn't lose weight because here's the other thing about weight loss. You can't outrun or outcycle a bad fork or a bad spoon. And so even though I was working out, I would say inconsistently at that point, it wasn't making a difference. So I was just basically throwing these workouts away. In October, I decided to just get dedicated And so I told myself that I was just going to track calories. I wasn't going to deny myself rice or breads or I have a sweet tooth. Um, But I was going to do everything in in balance and moderation. And the weight just kind of started coming off. Um, Then I got the Peloton treadmill. And so it was a matter of finding balance and moderation with food and then consistency with working out. So consistency was key for both. And so since October, I'm still on my journey. I still have a little bit of of, uh, weight left to lose, but I've lost 48 pounds. And so it's not been easy. There are days where I still struggle. I don't have it figured out, but the will has got to be just as strong as the want. And so I've luckily been able to just kind of keep building on this momentum that I have found and continue to self-motivate because no one can do this for you. It's got to be, you you have to be self-made when it comes to like a fitness journey. I love, there are so many things that I love about what you said. The first one is thank you for being honest and open about the fact that there was a time in your life when you lost a significant amount of weight and societally people would say that that's what looks good, but you didn't do it in a healthy way. I think that there's tons of women. I can speak from personal experience. If there's young young girls out there, I mean, I've been in that boat before where it's like, yeah, this is great. And I'm, you know, now living on a Diet Coke and a Power Bar a day, right. which is not, <laughs> it's not right. sustainable long-term, like, like long-term, you know, just like when you were saying in, in boot camp and, um, and we could go into, you know, everything. I mean, I've always thought that you were beautiful. I think you look phenomenal. I think what I'm inspired by and what our listeners will be inspired by is your strength. And I also, I'm so very, I mean, the Peloton company has really taken, you know, cause all of this happened during COVID during, you know, that time when really mm-hmm. people weren't able to go to the gym. Yep. And sometimes, quite frankly, when you're in a place where it doesn't matter, you know, necessarily, it, it's how you feel about yourself. If you don't feel good about yourself, you're not going to want to go to the gym, you yep. know. Um, it, you know, maybe you need to start out small and take a walk around the block or do whatever, you know, just to get that physical fitness up. But you also touched on something that was so uh, remarkable as well that, you know, you went and visited your doctor. And I think that that's a turning point for a lot of people that, mm-hmm. you know, aside from, 
you know, the aesthetic and how you look and, and obviously that's wonderful as well, but it truly is about health and longevity and you've got two beautiful kids. You've got Olivia and Luca and, and of course, Bernie and things shout out guys. Um, but, (laughs) but, um, to, to live for and to be healthy for. And I think that all of us women and men, um, can really identify with that, that like when we have a wake up call like that, it's like, you know, tomorrow's not promised. And so you taking that power back, I think is phenomenal. And you said, something else too that which I mean moderation I think for everybody is tough you know I mean it's easy it's easy to say and it's harder to do um moderation and consistency and and um I mean you look phenomenal but even more than that you look like you feel phenomenal so congratulations I I mean you just look like you really feel good because we've all been on kind of transformative journeys or whatever, where maybe we don't feel that good because we're, <laughs> yeah, you know, depriving, right. Yeah. You know, we're not like that. Um, but you know, like even before that, I think it's important to call out too, that when I was at 210 pounds, it was all of these lies that I would tell myself because I didn't want to put in the work. So I'd stand in the mirror, like fighting for something to wear. And, um, I'd be like, you know what? I don't look that bad. I knew I hated the way I looked. But I was like, I don't look that bad. I could be like this forever. And then the other thing too is like, I would set these unrealistic expectations. Like for me, like I said, I'm all or nothing. If I was on a strict diet and I cheated, I'd be like, well, today's already out the window. Might as well just go to town on everything else. And then the next day you're like, well, it's Friday. I'll just wait until Monday. And I'm really convinced I gained the majority of my weight by doing that. Cause that is how binge eating kind of takes a hold and like takes over control really. And I would binge every time I'm like, well, I only had two days to eat whatever I want. And so now with just practicing moderation, tracking calories, I can have anything I want in moderation. Like I get to do it. That's how I feel about working out. It's not something I have to do anymore. It's something I get to do. And I know that the older that we get, you know, the harder those things become. And so I just want to take advantage of pushing my body, celebrating the hurdles that I'm able to kind of get to and overcome and do this for as long as my body will allow me to ultimately. That's, that is beautiful. And I think too, that a lot of people, I mean, and I, I know that it's like this for you too. Once again, the, the aesthetic portion is, is, is important and it's great to feel good about yourself, but you know, exercise helps you so much mentally. Yes. And I think that that's what young people, you know, need to realize as, as well, that it's like, you know, we've done so much and it breaks my heart to take physical education away from kids. And I see it every day. And so if you're not establishing healthy habits, I mean, a healthy morning routine or just getting outside and playing, um, it can really do, do a number on, on for depression, for just a whole host of things, you know, yeah. it, it can really, really help. Um, so we will, uh, move on here. You know, you have a remarkable career that you love. Can you talk about your job and what led you to it? Yes. I, I'm 38 and I feel like I'm actually, I'm so incredibly blessed to be in a career that I actually love. I never thought I would ever say that I have a job that I love to go to every day. Cause you've, you've met those people and you're like, wow, how will I ever have an opportunity like that? Again, this is just another area of my life where persistence ultimately paid off. Um, I work at LinkedIn and I'm super passionate. Our friend Carrie works at LinkedIn. Um, I am super passionate about 
this company. Like our mission is to provide every member member of the global workforce, right? Opportunity. And, you know, everybody from the CEO on down believes in that and really embodies that. Um, even virtually, like you can still feel that energy when you're on VC or, or you're in meetings. Um, I lead um, an escalations team globally. So I have a team in India and in Ireland here as well. And it this job is like, transformed my life in absolutely every facet. Working at LinkedIn has been a masterclass in leadership. It has really allowed me to take my leadership to the next level, to be able to empower other people, to be able to help develop other people, and to help, um, you know, with the manifestation of their own career goals and objectives. And I'm truly blessed to be a part of such an incredible company. That's so phenomenal. And I know that they're very forward thinking too. I mean, in allowing people time off and the opportunity to be flexible and work mm-hmm. from home, because that's another thing too. I think that oftentimes um, when young people are thinking about what they'd like to do, you know, it's important to take all of those facets into consideration. You know, am I, yeah. am I a, the type of person that likes to sit at a desk? I mean, am I the type of person that would be better able to work remotely or, or to get outside once in a while, you yeah. know, out, outside of the, the cubicle or, um, yeah, I think that those are all, I know that LinkedIn has done so very much, um, even in terms of giving back to communities and things. So thank you for that too. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So what are some of the values that you have learned from this past year in your transformation? I would say there's two that really stick out to me. The the two are, number one, be present um, in every facet. Be present for yourself. Be present. Be as present for yourself as you are for those around you. I think that's most important. I think the other value would be patience. Because again, I'm a very impatient person and I want what I want when I want it. And so weight loss doesn't work like that. And so I had to kind of rewire my thinking to celebrate milestones other than a number on a scale. And so for me, it very quickly became like personal records on the treadmill or, you know, being able to run 0.1, 0.2 faster. And so where I started, for example, I was like, barely power walking at three miles an hour. It hurt to walk because I was carrying so much weight. Whereas now I can power walk at 4.7 miles an hour and I can run at nine. And it was celebrating all of those little victories along the way that afforded me the patience that I needed to stay on the journey. Um, And then it was documenting it. So, you know, I will be very honest where my friends that were on health journeys would post about their workouts or show their bodies. And I'd be like, that's so annoying. Like, why does Michelle have to continue? Like, we know you work out, girlfriend. We don't need to see it. Um, And if I'm being honest, I was jealous. Like, they're doing something that I, for whatever reason, can't figure out. And it was ultimately because I was lazy. I wanted something, but I didn't want to put in the work. And so when I became more mindful of the way that I was allowing that negative thinking to control my life and allowed me to be present for myself. It allowed me to be a better partner to my team, to my husband, to my kids. And I really feel now, um, I don't know that I have more patience. I think, uh, (laughs) I wish I could say I did, but I have found a way to kind of stall on needing to have things immediately because sometimes Greatness takes time. 
And, you know, I believe just from all the things I've experienced with, you know, trying to have a baby and experiencing infertility and so many other issues, everything, I really have to trust in God's time. And so you said it earlier, um, when one door closes, I have just learned to rewire my thinking, um, to anticipate that that door closed because there's a bigger one waiting to be opened. And I just have to trust in that. And so patience and being present, I would say to summarize, cause I could talk forever. Um, those would be the two that are most prevalent for me as I think of the values over the past couple months. I love that. And I think too, you know, we're in such a society and I, I mean, I could really go in on young people with this, with the devices and with our cell phones, but it truly has, it's not just young people, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you can go out to dinner and you can see an entire family. The baby's on their, on his iPad. The daughter is on her cell phone. The mom and dad are both on their cell phones and no one's saying anything to each other. And so I think we need to figure out a way to be present because like never before you can let the noise and the loudness of just our world infiltrate everything that you do. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I mean, I've read up on it and things like that and there are studies behind it, but I just, for me, I know that the stress of that is not good 24 seven. It's not. And you have to think also about the things that are coming out of those devices. And so, especially for young girls who are so impressionable, I mean, I think back to being 18 when I thought I was fat, right? You look back and you're like, wow, you weren't even close. Um, And thankfully then I didn't have Instagram and like the Kardashians in my face 24-7 and filters to give me this really skewed uh, perspective of who the world thinks I should be and what they think I should look like. And so I really worry about that with my daughter. And thankfully, she's more an academic. She doesn't really care too much at this point, but she's also 11. So I know that it's probably coming. It worries me for her, for my stepdaughter, all of these influences saying that you've got to be perfect. You've got to have, you know, uh, a perfect face and perfect features and you've got to have money and name brand this and name brand that. It's such a toxic space, the internet and social media and cell phones. And I don't see a teenager without this thing in their face to your point. Right. Right. And I think that exercise and all of that can attribute like just getting outside or if you have, I mean, the community that you've built on Peloton and things like that. And I think that it's going to help with women like you that are willing to step out there and say, you know what, I, I was unhappy with my body and I, and it wasn't just because of the way that I looked, it was because I wanted to be around for the people that I loved. And so the more people that are willing to like you to stand in your own truth and say, this is reality, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the better, the better that it will, it will be for young girls. I agree. You said a word that's huge to me and that's community. And if you surround yourself with like-minded people, it's it's almost magical the types of things that end up kind of coming out of those relationships. And with Peloton, I love Cody Rigsby and I ended up finding the boo crew on Facebook. And it's just this community of friends that I've made. I've never met them in person. I talk to them every day and we support each other, but we're like-minded individuals, right? Some of them are beginning their journey and are over 300 pounds. Some of them have completely made it to their goal and are just maintaining, but the love and the support that comes out of those groups is unlike anything I've ever experienced. So, you know, for young kids, surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals who want to succeed, who have goals that are like yours is so important. 
not saying that your entire inner circle needs to be people that think like you, um, but it definitely helps encourage and motivate and support you along your journey. And those are the those are the great aspects of social media, right? Because we are. would have never been able to do that. So there are there is there is very positive things and and. Um, at times, unfortunately, negative things, but I'm so, that sounds like an awesome group, and um, I'm so glad that you guys have been able to support each other along all of your journeys. Um, So what is one obstacle that you have faced in your life, and how have you overcome it? Hmm, I would say the most recent obstacle, um, just at my age, was trying to figure out how, and I know we've talked a lot about health and fitness, but it's been my weight because it's been this like elephant in the room for the last seven, eight years. And I couldn't ever, you know, start and keep the momentum going. And so at some point along the way, I made it okay for me to think that well, this is just who you are and, you know, you have a pretty face, so it doesn't matter what your body looks like. And again, those are the lies that we tell ourselves because complacency is comforting. And so, you know, it was me and my husband like arguing because I wanted to spend, you know, a thousand dollars on the next thing. And he's like, I don't want you to spend that money. Why don't you just buckle down and watch what you eat? And because I didn't want to put in the work. Right. And so the weight was an obstacle because I was secretly battling um, anxiety over my weight, like depression over my weight, not feeling like I felt like a very um, strong woman on the inside, but the outside wasn't reflective of that. And so, you know, I was half of a whole at that point and not feeling like I do today, like everything matches, you know what I mean, for me. And so having, you know, a remarkable career and being able to walk into a room, I felt like people are going to think, wow, like, she's really overweight. That's not who I expected. Or, you know, going somewhere with my husband, who's like genetically perfect, um, doesn't work out, but you know, Jaquel, he's very muscular and he's fit. And, um, you know, just always wondering, are people looking at me like, what's like, how does she end up with him? And so it was all of these insecurities that I kind of allowed to, um, be this invisible, like, cape and cloak that I, that I wrapped myself in and that I hid behind. And, you know, people would meet me and say, oh, you're so confident. Well, that's a facade because I'm really not happy. And so that was the biggest obstacle. Finally looking myself in the face and saying, look, this is not going to be easy. You're going to have to put in the hard work. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't, I I have a number that I want to reach, but it's more about feeling good and being healthy than it is about saying, I want to be skinny you know, when I lost all that weight many years ago, it was about being skinny. But now I'm mindful because my daughter is in the room when I'm having these conversations. And I want her to know that this is to be healthy. This isn't to fit, you know, society's standard. And so I'm grateful to women like Ashley Graham, who are just such advocates for body image positivity. Um, For me personally, though, I just feel more comfortable where I'm at today. Um, I'm able to wear things I want. I can go shopping and not be stressed out about if I'm going to find something. You know, you had an event a couple of years ago, and I didn't want to attend it because I'm like, I'm the biggest, like, 
our friend was pregnant, right? But I was closer to her and, and everybody else, um, you know, looks so great. And so it really precluded me from living life to my fullest. And that would be probably the biggest obstacle that has plagued me for years on end. Not just one, you know, quick obstacle that was a couple weeks, couple months that I had to overcome. This kind of plagued me for years and really impacted me negatively for years. And I think that you, and I've said this before, but you stepping out and sharing that story, there is a young woman or a young man that's out there that's going through the exact same thing because the negative voices and the negative things that we tell ourselves are far worse than I, in my personal opinion, believe that anyone would ever say about us, um, Mm -hmm. either behind our backs or to our faces. And so, um, you know, I think that what you just said and sharing your story is extremely powerful because I think it's going to help someone that's in the exact same place, that it's truly not about, you know, looking or being a certain way, but it's that you literally feel better and you're so much happier like where you are now because, you know, like I said, the self-talk and things that we can all feed into and give ourselves um, can be really, really hurtful, especially especially for young people today. It's so, really damaging. Yeah. Um, so thank you for being willing to share that. Um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to a young person today who is struggling? I would say to take things one day at a time because when you tend to look at things holistically, um, sometimes problems aren't, you know, depending on the scope and size of a problem, it's not something that's going to be resolved in the next day or two days. Maybe it's something that takes a year. Um, So I would say take it day by day. Focus on what you can control in that moment. And that feeds back into my obstacle was always saying I have 60 pounds to lose. 60 is a big number. And so focusing on one day at a time, what can I change today? What can I make better today? Um, How can I be more mindful about my situation? And really trying to figure out what are the things that you can control that that you can change in the moment. I think that's important because we get so overwhelmed. Life is so fast paced anymore and social media plays into that, right? People have perfect lives now. And so there's this perfect facade that young people feel like they have to contend with it's, it's really grand because people can put out their, the best versions of who they are online, but really what lies beneath the surface looks way different. And so just for young people, take things one day at a time, take them slowly, reach out to people that love and care for you, um, surround yourself with people that are supportive and not negative. And I would say really, and I know this is hard, but stay off the social media because people are only showing you what they want you to see. So just be genuine, be authentic to who you are and take things one day at a time, one step at a time. Very, very practical advice um, that I think we could all for sure live by. What is one quote uh, that you, that is your favorite or that you live by and why? Okay. So this is going to be, <laughs> you're probably going to laugh wait. when I tell no, you No, I will this. not. So I was actually doing a Peloton workout uh, with Adrian Williams and he said something as we were stretching at the end. And he said, if you live for other people's acceptance, you die by their rejection. And so he said it again 
And for some reason that stuck with me that day and has ever since because we put so much stock into what other people say. And so I have really worked hard over this last year to not invest in what other people think as much. Because at the end of the day, nobody has to live my life but me. And allowing people to live rent-free in my head has done me really no favors. It's caused me more harm than good. So I would say that's the quote. If you live for other people's acceptance, you die by their rejection. That is, I've actually never heard that before. And that's going to resonate with a lot of people. Actually, I'm trying to, in my head right now, I'm trying to, I'm going to like commit this to memory. Let me tell you, I have so many good (laughs) quotes just from Peloton. Just from Peloton. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. That's right. That one too. That's right. I love it. Um, and, And such good advice because we spend a lot of time trying to impress people that we don't like. Um, you know, to purchase things we can't afford yes. <laughs> to, to impress, you know, people we really don't care about. And um, I think especially young people, that's that's difficult. And I look back on my own journey. I'm sure you do, too. And just, um, you know, certain certain things that we did to appease a whole host of people that um, we should have really just been running our own race and and worried about about our own path. So you could not have said that any better. <laughs> um. Well, Miss Deanna, I know that there's like a myriad of these that we could talk about. Well, what is your greatest accomplishment or the thing that you're the most proud of and why? So I'm not going to be cliche and say my kids because I'm a mom. Everybody knows a mom is proud of her children and they're her greatest accomplishment. Um, I would say joining the Marine Corps and going to Iraq and coming back those that whole entirety the whole entirety of those 4 years is my greatest accomplishment and the reason i say that is because before i joined the marine corps i had my nails done and i walked into the recruiting office and they were like i'm sorry you want to join what Um, And I was there to join a different branch of service. They conned me into, I shouldn't say conned. They were like, well, we'll walk you down to the other office because you probably couldn't do the Marine Corps anyway. And I was like, hold up. What did you tell me? I can't do something. Called my mom. She hung up on me because she was like, there is no opportunity for women in the Marine Corps. Absolutely not. I went, um, I will tell you, the first two weeks of a 13-week boot camp, when I got there, And I still remember this as vividly as I did the day I thought it. And it was what was so wrong with my life that I felt like I needed to be here. Um, (laughs) Because it is jarring. It is jarring. They take away your sense of individuality. Um, It's all about teamwork. Everything is very regimented. You have people yelling in your face. It's so stressful. But once you come out the other side of that, I didn't even think that I could and I did. And then I got promoted meritoriously out of boot camp. And then I got promoted again. And then I ended up in a specialty field in the Marine Corps, went to war. That was some of the best times of my life being in Iraq. And I know that that's very awkward to hear because a lot of people are like, how could that be the best time of your life? You're in a war zone. And the truth of it is this, it's the first and only time in my life where I only had to worry about what was around me and making it to the next day. I didn't have to worry about bills. I didn't have to worry about laundry. Somebody did that for me. I didn't have to worry about cooking, grocery shopping, 
And I formed these really special bonds with the people I was there with because we were away from our families. I spent Christmas there. I spent Thanksgiving there. And so also I will never forget the relationship that I formed with Iraqi nationals who were brave enough to share with me that them working with us for us really jeopardized their own families. So for me, the Marine Corps in its entirety was my best accomplishment. It's something I'm the most proud of because, you know, people feed off of perception. And, you know, when I went to the VA the other day with my husband to get our shot, they were like, can we have your sponsor social? Um, And I said, well, actually, I'm the veteran. And still today, people don't think somebody like me would join the Marine Corps. So that was my biggest, that's my, my greatest accomplishment, I would say, without hesitation. Well, and thank you once again, and thank you on behalf of our viewers for serving your country. That is um, the most, I think, remarkable and phenomenal. I mean, we can't thank you enough to thank you. our, our, um, ser- our young, young men and women that are serving to this day. So, um, and then this is a tough, uh, this is, well, for some, I don't think it'll be for you, but for some guests. Um, what do you want your legacy to be and what do you want to be remembered for and why? I, um, I think about this often, actually. Um, I would just want my legacy to be one, you know, if my name comes up, people are able to talk about a time that I helped them or I encouraged them. Um, I just want to be remembered as someone who was selfless. And I think in a world where we're so consumed by the superficial, kindness isn't, I feel, as prevalent or as apparent as it used to be. And so that to me is the most important. I don't care about, you know, being a great leader. I mean, I do care about that. But, you know, in terms of legacy, that's wonderful. But, you know, when, when you pass on, nobody's going to care about the car you drove or how high up the corporate ladder you were able to climb. They're going to care about the way you made them feel. And so the legacy I would want to leave behind is just selflessness. Like anytime I needed anything, she was there selflessly. That is absolutely beautiful. And um, I can say that she, that you, Deanna, embody that now. So I'm grateful that, I'm grateful that you are my friend, but I'm also grateful for this podcast because you're going to influence and change so many people's lives by your honesty and your integrity and your willingness to share a story, to share your story. And in a world where, in a world of filters and highlight reels, you, my dear, are the real deal. Um, thank you. So thank you so much. And I know that our viewers are dying to hear. So what's your Peloton hashtag? What's your, where can they follow you? My, where can we follow you as we talk about like social media? But um, literally do, please do link up with her because she's phenomenal and, and will be a great support. So so my leaderboard name is, is uh, Pia Marie 07. So P-I-A Marie 07. Um, my Instagram name is really unique. It's Deanna Heisen. Um, so you can find me there. But I try to keep that a very uh, positive space outside and free of political influence. And, you know, I just I know that there's way too much of that already. And I just try to make it a space where people can come to get some motivation, some inspiration, because, um, yeah, there's not I, I don't feel like there's very many bright corners of the Internet anymore. 
Absolutely. Um, Well, you heard it here, folks. And like I said, if you need a daily dose of inspiration, um, this girl has it. I'm so very proud of you. Thank you for being here with us today on Education with an Edge, Deanna. Thank you. Um, And once again, to our audience, we always like to say this at the end. If you are a young person that is struggling and you need assistance or you are even thinking about taking your life, please do reach out to uh, my to this podcast. Um, We can link you up with some phenomenal resources. Boys Town National Suicide Hotline has amazing resources for you. Uh, We truly here are dedicated to inspiring and saving lives. And so there are obstacles that you're going to over that you are going to have in your life, but you're you're strong enough to live them and you're strong enough to overcome them. So um, we are here for you. And this is Jaquel Lane with Education with an Edge signing off for today. Thank you for listening. If you have a question or just want to learn more, go to JaquelLane.com. Thanks for listening to Education with an Edge. A Huda Media Production.